Today I'm going to be speaking to Dave Raven, who's a former Liverpool, Carlisle and Tranmere Rovers footballer. How's it going, Dave? You okay? Very well, very well, yeah. You, Dan? All good, mate. All good. Thanks for joining me today. Um, obviously, appreciate your time. Um, how's life at the moment? How's it going? Uh, it's going well, yeah. I'm enjoying it. It's, um, you know, the last two years have been up and down like everybody's, but it's... Uh, I mean, all things considered, I've had a very enjoyable couple of years. Of, I'm not going to lie. It's, um, you know, the lockdown came and it was 100 mile an hour to zero. And it was like, wow, you were able to reset. And I'm sure a few people have said the same. Yeah. Uh, then went into, you know, pondering my future as a player and um, carried on playing part-time for Marine in level eight in the pyramid. So, I mean, you know... Um, that was new to me and it turned out to be the best decision I ever made playing playing on. And I just couldn't believe how it turned out and we're going on an amazing cup run and play spares and stuff. So it's, it just, yeah, I've had an amazing year and a half really in terms of them things. Uh, work's been okay. Obviously it's been in and out with the pandemic. I'm coaching at a, um, at a school in a college in Manchester and in Ellesmere. So uh, yeah, that's been, that's been fine. Uh, so yeah, I've had a good, good 18 months. Yeah. That's good. I mean, it's obviously we're in a situation where I think we're at the back end of the pandemic now. And obviously some people have had tough times. And like you just said there, you've been one of the lucky ones. And I think I'm in that category as well, where kind of the last year or so has been been good for myself as well. So um, it's been mm -hmm. a positive from that perspective. And I always try and say to people, irrespective of their situation, just try and be positive. I think that always helps anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned there you, you're still playing. So what's the situation there then? You said obviously you're playing for Marine, and I've seen a couple of your games uh, on TV. I know you've had a decent cup run and stuff, um, and also you're working as well. So, um, how have you found that side of it? Because I know we'll touch on this a bit later on, but you, you obviously had a professional career, so you're now playing part time. How, how have you found that? Um, it's, I mean, when everything's normal, it's not easy. Like, I mean, I've, I've always said, I take my hat off to the guys who've done it for, for years. I mean, I've played with lads who've just all they've ever done is worked and played part-time and part-time football isn't as part-time as it sounds um, like mentally it's it's still as draining as it ever is um, you're training twice a week at night time and then at the weekend so your full Saturday's gone as usual uh, your Tuesday and your Thursday night is gone um, and it's a big commitment and obviously if you've got a game on a Tuesday say away at I don't know it could be the other side of the country then you're taking time off work and stuff like that and then you're up again the next day for work so it's it's really, uh, it, it, it's, it's full time. It's, it's, it's intense. Um, but at the same time, it's compared to the full time game, I did, did recognise that the pressure was different. It is different. It's not your only job. It's not your only source of income. So in terms of that, it's, you know, it was quite like, um, quite refreshing in, in one sense to go play part time and get a pint and a pie after the game and mix with yeah. the other team where yeah. you didn't usually do that. Yeah. Um, and I also found it, yeah, it was really enjoyable. So it's also, in some senses, weaned me off full-time. Um, at any point in that part-time journey, it was like, if it was going to come to an end, then I felt okay with it. Um, and it's just carried on. And I always had the option to carry on. So it was like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll keep doing it. Um, so, yeah, it, it does. I would, rec I would recommend it if you can get if, if a professional can get his head round the the level and the standard and the 
and the different um, professionalism levels within that environment, then I would recommend it to a player to, to sort of wean themselves off it, um, yeah. off the drug of full-time football, if you like. Uh, yeah. So you, you just got to accept your situation sometimes and get your ego out the way. And I think mm. once you can do that, you know what I mean? It's, I mean, because the hardest thing for me was playing against players where a year before um, I was fitter, stronger, quicker, you were getting, you know, won't get much of a sniff. And then it actually was, becomes a battle at that point in your life where you're slower, you're older. And yeah. getting my head around that, the, the ego part was actually harder than anything else. Right. So um, I, it's, just, it's just that part, I think that's difficult for players dropping mm. down. And I fully understand why you don't want to, if you don't have to. Yeah, I do yeah. fully understand why, because it's not an easy thing to do. Of course, yeah. I mean, in some ways, you touched on something there that I've probably never really thought about. And obviously, I'm, I'm miles away from the game now. I retired ages ago. But in terms of like the environment you're in at Marine now, and obviously those players, they're secure in the sense that they're not just relying on football being their sole income. So they've got that kind of, um, they've got that nine to five job or whatever it may be that they're doing their trade or whatever that they can take forward for the rest of their life. So with that in mind, is the environment a little bit more relaxed on the pitch and off the pitch because they know that, okay, well, if they, they don't get off the contract, they've still got their job, but they're probably going to get another part-time contract somewhere else in that uh, kind of uh, level of football. Am I right in thinking that? Uh, you'd probably be right in thinking um, from the player's point of view, yes, uh, they, could, they have to be more flexible and... Um, I mean, I know lads who can't make, say, every other Tuesday and they'll just not make training because their work is more important. Managers will always say your work is more important because it is your sole income. Mm. And um, it is more relaxed in that sense, yes, um, in terms of, uh, you know, as well as anyone and, and myself, when you're coming through the end of a contract or when lads were, the stress that went with that, trying to find another club. Mm. And the, that element is slightly taken away. I mean, but it doesn't retract away from from the fact that they are they do see themselves as footballers still um yeah. you know they try and be as professional as they can as uh, you know at all times so it doesn't it doesn't take away from that fact um on the pitching and training and stuff like that um so yeah they do try and act as professional as they can but they aren't you're not it's just yeah yeah, yeah it is what it is yeah and it's a decent standard as well and i don't think people kind of realize they assume that if you're not in the premier league or championship like the standard four and Maybe they had a case for that like 25, 30 years ago in terms of like the, the standard of play on the pitch, it was more long ball. But the lower down you go in the pyramids now, especially kind of the tier that you're playing at and below, there's players like yourself who you kind of, you've been through the, the academy system, you know obviously how the game works and stuff on and off the pitch. So with that in mind, there's going to be a high level of kind of uh, professionalism on the pitch and also off the pitch as well. And I don't think sometimes from the outside, Players like, not like yourself, but the ones who may be down there and have been for many years, they don't get that respect um, that they deserve yeah. because the standard is quite high. Well, it's really high, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think there's a, there's a certain um, snobbery in football. And not, I'm not talking about players here now, but in terms of the whole football family where they'll look down at that level. And, you know, it is right far down. But what you're finding now at these levels is everything's filtered down now. So the yeah. certain teams will play like, you know, let's say South Shields, for instance, in the, in the Northern Premier League, they play out from the back like Manchester City. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This is what they try and do. That's their philosophy now they play. Yeah. And they play great, attractive football. 
Um, now, like that a few years ago was unheard of, wasn't it? And now even now you've got your technology that's that's affordable now in the film and the games and the mm. um, you know the vests, the GPS and stuff. That's all filtering down now. So like it's getting better and better, and the levels just going up and up and becoming more and more prominent with players. Um, so yeah, I mean there is that sort of yeah. I call it football snobbery, really, um, that you do find um, at them levels. And the lads I'm mixing with now, there's boys there that will should quite easily be playing in the in the football league. And for one reason or another, they're not, whether that be work ethic, whether it just be a bit of luck or something. And as boys, I'm thinking, if you just applied yourself, you know, a little bit more, mm. it wouldn't take much for you to start climbing the leagues. The next minute you find yourself in a full-time team, you know, that's yeah. what you want to do. Mm. Um, so there is some good players down there, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned that you're obviously coaching as well. So is that kind of part of your transition or retirement process going forward? Are you kind of thinking ahead? I'm assuming you are. Yeah, I mean, it was always that was that was my goal. I wanted to coach, manage, and did me badges when I was playing. Um, and I, I was finished when I was 33. Obviously, not on my terms. I knew it wouldn't be football finishes you. You know, you know. We're not like Paul Scholes to get to choose when we retire. Like, um, <laughs> I just didn't have any other options at that point, and um, and I just assumed that it would be easy enough to get a job, a coaching job. I was well qualified, I'd had a decent career, um, and it's just not been the case. So, actually, playing part-time football became a necessity. Otherwise, I wouldn't have any income at that right. point. Uh, so, I couldn't find a job. Uh, I was doing. I was doing surveys, boiler surveys, um, obviously playing. I was just trying to make, make ends meet, really. Um, mm. and, and I must have applied for 40, 40 50 jobs, probably. Um, really? And I'm sure we'll come to it later. But, I mean, it's one of the thing is that I've found is somebody would have told me, say, you know, six, seven years ago when I started doing my badges, that um, it would be as tough or not even as tough as you just that you can't get as qualified as you'd like to be. So I just assumed you could get on a course. I assumed you could go and get the next badge, but it's not been the case for me. And okay. that's, that's really held me back in terms of like, you know, the FA don't just supply it. Like for, take, for example, the, um, the FA Youth uh, Elite Award. Mm. So that'll be, say, the next step for me or say a, a pro license where you just can't get on them. You just can't do it. So whether you've had a, a career or not, you need to be working in an academy, but to work in an academy, you need to, the pro oh, this uh, wow. so catch twenty two. So, yes, that's what I've found. And um it's just like been well what 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 do you do next? Do you know what I mean? And um so do you know at the coaching sort of I fell into the role that I've got now just by like, just applying for everything, saying yes to everything. Um mm. I was reliable, I was decent at it. And eventually said, Well God, yeah, we like you. Do you want a full time role? And it was great, yeah. And that's what I've found. And that's yeah. what I'd, I'd say to other lads to do. Just That's go and amazing. do things, just go and speak to people. But yeah, I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't see the journey happening as it did. Uh, mm. So it's, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Because I've never, when I was playing, I never wanted to be a coach. I didn't, I loved playing and loved learning and, and obviously applied myself correctly on and off the pitch as much as I could. But I didn't love the grass enough to want to transition into coaching. And by nature, from the outside looking in, people assume that, okay, you've been a footballer or a tennis player or whatever, so now you're going to be a, a coach in that field. Mm -hmm. um, I just assumed that those roles were there or those courses were there and you just apply and then you get accepted. And now you just said that you have to be in an academy to take certain courses and things like that. So yeah. that's that's really difficult. That must be really frustrating. I, I wasn't aware, like I said. So 
Yeah. I mean, the other, I did my badges in Scotland. So, I mean, I could say go and do an FA Youth Elite, it's called in Scotland, but that isn't recognised down in England. They don't recognise it or they, they downgrade it. So I spoke to people and he said, well, there's no point in you doing it because you'll downgrade it and blah, blah, blah. So like, you know, again, it's that catch 22, isn't it? You're going, so what do you do next? You know, where do you go with it? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, liked, I like working with, with people. Um, I see management more of a role than, um, than coaching. But we'll see, you know, it's just, um, I've, we've ended up, I've started a company with, with uh, some, some friends. So it's, that's going well. I'm due to, we're due to roll out some, some software for the start of next season, which I'll, um, I'll keep to myself for now. But um, yeah. uh, that's, that's quite exciting. But again, it's come from a chat and it's come from right lads. We've got all these different areas of expertise here. We're all sport minded. We've all got, we're all experts in our own right. Yeah. What can we do together? to make our, our, ourselves, you know, our company a working company and, and, and just dialogue over a few weeks and months and the next minute ideas are popping up. So um, that's, again, what's, what I'd definitely recommend in yeah. terms of transition stuff, yeah. Sounds really exciting. Uh, so I have to look out for that one. Um, obviously, you played for, like, many years and, again, we'll touch on that a bit later on. So what, what transferable skills have you kind of taken from football or, or kind of within your own life outside of football that you're going to take into coaching going forward and hopefully management as well? Um, I suppose, I mean, there, there are the, the standard ones. I mean, things like the, the discipline of being a footballer, I don't think will ever leave me um, mm. and my lifestyle. I still always watch what I eat and drink and, and be on time constantly. Footballers are always on, so they're always early. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just what they do. It's just, and I just think that is a brilliant thing to have, like drilled into you. Yeah. Mm. Um, and the transferable, the, the, the communication and the leadership and stuff, that is just, I think that's in you as a, as a sportsman or a football. I think you just have to have that. And I think you just have to have a little bit of something about you. Mm. Um, you, you know yourself that players who've got, got ability, like technical ability, but haven't got anything about them, no character, no personality. I think you know yourself, they struggle. You can't cope with a crowd or you can't cope yeah. with any, you know, things going against you. So mm. I think that's what you get as, as a footballer. You get a bit of thick skin. Um, and I think the things you go through, um, some people wouldn't go through that in a lifetime. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I say to players, the, the, the players ask me, what's it like? And I said, well, being a footballer, in my view, is being able to control a ball after you've just given it away two, three times on the bounce and you've got, say, five or 10,000 people calling you all sorts <laughs> like, it's having the balls to do that yeah. and if you haven't got the balls to do that then you're not going to be in football and most of the players who play week in week out aren't necessarily the best players they're just the most reliable they've got the biggest balls yeah in my in my opinion mm. um because as i say i've seen so many players come and go we've got better ability or mm. you know and you think why are you at this level you should be far higher up or whatever it might be mm. um and they just there's that i think that's what it is it's yeah. that mentality Definitely true, yeah, and um, I can relate to that. We've all come across players who you thought kind of like got everything, but then they, they're like a shrinking violet on the pitch. So amazing in training, and there's yeah. kind of little more pressure, and then it comes to a pitch, and there's like a proper game environment, and they can't handle it. So it is a lot of it's kind of mentality, um, yeah. obviously your approach to the game and mindset and stuff like that. Um, yeah. It seems like you've been pretty studious with your approach to kind of transition away from football, obviously retirement. So 
have you like have you got did you plan it before or have you kind of i know you've touched on it a little bit but have you kind of i want you to elaborate yeah. a little bit more did you kind of plan it a few years ago or did you kind of yeah. know where you wanted to take it yeah it did yes i mean obviously we're doing the badges and you think right okay you know your career is going to come to an end in the next few years now I had kids who were getting to that point where they'd start school and I was playing up in Scotland, yeah. uh, Inverness. And so I thought, well, Inverness, uh, that was coming to an end. I knew that was. And then I had a decision to make. So I can either, I could probably have gone and got another club in Scotland, say move to the, the mid belt and move my family again. Or I say, right, we go back to a house we have down south. Uh, we make our bills as low as they can possibly be. So, you know, you're paying off different loans and stuff like that. So the outgrowns are super small. I mean, that's how I prepared for it. Um, and we settle, we get the kids and then I do what I can to find work um, yeah. and find sort of jobs and I'm qualified, this, that, and the other. And anyway, it's after going through that and after preparing like that, I was still unprepared. Mm. Um, so as, as small as the bills were, as, as, um, as much as I felt I was mentally prepared, I, I wasn't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I lost, I lost, not a lot of lost money. It was, like, you know, you're, you're digging into savings. You're digging into savings all the time just to do the shopping and put yeah. petrol in the car and everything else. And that just has a demoralizing effect. And then you're thinking, well, where am I, what am I doing today? Like, what's on the cards today? You're just struggling to find a job. And that's what, that was the hardest thing that first, that first year, I would say, um, of the demoralizing effect of like, wow, like, yeah. I didn't expect it to be this tough, um, even though I thought I was prepared. Mm. Um, my my problem was is that I moved, I, I relocated, and I lost a lot of my contacts. I think that didn't help. Um, yeah. If I'd have stayed in Scotland, I had a lot more contacts. I'd been there for six years as a player. I was quite well known, playing in the Premier League up there. So I moved back down there, and everyone, all right, I, I totally forgot about you. I didn't know who you were, and it took me two or three years again to build up those contacts. Mm. Um, so that yeah, that was another thing that probably didn't help. But. Mm. Yeah. It's that's yeah. football for you, ain't it? You, like whenever you leave a club, it's like yeah, we'll keep in touch, we'll meet up and that. And then as soon as you're gone and you're immersed in your club, it's like you you're yeah. in there. You're not really thinking about kind of yeah. where you used to be. Phone stops ringing and, and things like that, and that's normal. We've all been a victim, and we've all been kind of uh, the yeah. aggressor in that situation. It's just one of those things. Life life goes on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in terms of like obviously again you. You planned, you found it a little bit difficult and like you've, you've kind of seen the light and you've kind of come out of the back end of that now, which is great. And I love hearing those stories. But why do some, and I'm talking not just football, kind of all sport now, because I've seen it on all quarters, speaking to different people. Why do you think some find it a lot harder than others? So from a mental perspective, um, as well as kind of on a social level as well. Yeah, it's, um, for me, it's... Uh... I think it all comes to identity. Um, it all comes down to a, that, like, when you wake up in the morning and you know what you are, you know what you're going to do that day. Um, and you're obviously in that, <clears throat> that like, environment. And it's, a, it's a high performance environment. Um, I found exercise when I, when I started, like, not being as, um, as fit and as strong as I was. That had, a, had a, like, uh, a physiological effect on you not, and, a, and, a, and a mental effect, sorry. Um, so I think there's the things combined, but um, in terms of what, if you could put like one thing on, I think, I think identity, I think your identity just changes and having to cope with that. Do you know what I mean? So like I try and identify as a coach now um, and as an ex-footballer still playing part-time, 
um and it and it just takes a little bit of time to be able to it's just time that you can you know it just does take time but i can see why players go bankrupt i can see why players get divorced 100 percent um after doing it myself because you are moody you are like what's going on and you, you know if your wife can't handle that and she's off down the road <laughs> there's not much you can do you know i have a good yeah. wife i still i've got a good wife and she's starting to stand by me and um yeah. but yeah i think it's an identity thing um mostly lads who just wanted to be a footballer all alive you get to 35 you still think you're young yeah. and you are and you're you've got another hour, hour the 50 years to live or something whatever yeah. it might be <laughs> you know what yeah. am i going to do yeah what am i going to be it's, it's uh, so, yeah yeah I mean, for me, because I always, I like hearing stories and people's perspective because it's different. And sometimes when I'm speaking to people who I've been in dressing rooms with and I've known what they were like in terms of banter and stuff, and then you speak to them now and it's like, you see a different side to them. Um, yeah. And maybe they've always had that side, but they just didn't let it out when they're in the dressing room environment. You know what it's like. Um, and when I hear kind of loss of identity and that, I, I get frustrated. Uh, even when I'm online, I'm, I'm not really active online. I'm only what a year into being on social media purely because of the podcast and a lot of friends and ex-teammates have been on there since day dot like eight nine years ago um but when i see someone online they they kind of say oh i feel like i've lost my identity i feel compelled to like just re respond to them even if i don't know them and just say look you haven't lost your identity you're still you it's the individual first and then the athlete second that's the best way to approach it for me anyway everyone's yeah. different ain't they um but when it came to like my retirement, I just, I don't know. I just, I felt more relieved than anything. And I think I was relieved purely because I know there are people out there not doubting me because I never really had that. I know players have people doubting them and stuff. I never really had that. I had good friends and family. So from what I could see, I couldn't see any doubts from them. Um, whether that's right or wrong, I, I don't know. Because obviously I don't yeah. know what their kind of premeditated thoughts were. But um when it came to like my retirement and I secured a job and it was a job that I thought, okay, it was pretty sustainable. Um, and kind of, um, it's not one that I'd be embarrassed about if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I, just, I just felt relieved. Like, okay, I've got a job now. And literally the next day I was like, okay, I've, I've moved on. And it wasn't like I was on the phone calling people saying, oh, I've retired and blah, blah, blah. Cause even a year or two later, people still assumed I was playing. Yeah. Um, so it was more relief for me that I'd found something, within kind of a couple of months of not even really looking I was just having a rest after playing just a couple of months into like off season and then I found a job so I was just one of the lucky ones I assume yeah because that was probably the hardest thing I found was that it was that if I had got into a, a, a good job it would have been absolutely fine um, mm. and the identity issue wasn't there for me either finishing I was a bit like and I felt the pressure go. I felt like I don't have to like, oh, like think about all these things I've been thinking about for the last how many, many years, you know. And that that felt okay. Um, yeah. And I was I was happy. I would have fit. I actually had an interview um, for I was at Wrexham. I finished at Wrexham, and I had an interview for the for the head of youth roller. Okay. Uh, I didn't get the job, but I would I would have hundred percent happily finished for that. Uh, mm. There was no issue no issue with me finishing there, you know. Yeah. Um, but again, it just it just seemed to go on and I just couldn't get a job anywhere and you know mm. one that I wanted so that was that was the major issue for me and um yeah. so yeah I'm, I'm obviously speaking with other lads um I do feel identity might be an issue but um mm. 
yeah, for myself, it wasn't so much. Yeah. Mm. And in terms of retirement, I mean, I don't know how it was for you in terms of when you were playing from Liverpool to Carlisle, Tranmere, and all the other teams that you played for. But when I ever was in discussion about retirement or someone from the PFA or whatever came in, I always saw it as a bit of a negative subject. It was never like, oh, how are you going to offer your services to, to other people? Or it was always like, oh, what, what are you going to do when you finish playing? Or it always yeah. had like a negative tone to it. And this is nothing against kind of the people I was speaking to or the PFA who were coming in. But it was always something that you always tried to say, brush to the back and like, okay, I just want to like, make it. Especially when you're 18, 19 and you just come out of the youth team and you're kind of in the reserves there or thereabouts and you just want to focus on breaking into the first team. The last thing you want to be thinking about is retirement because you just see it as like 10, 15 years away. Oh, so, miles away. Yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you think the approach to retirement needs to be changed in any way? Um, yeah, it does, yeah. It massively does. Uh, I've got I, I, in my head. I, I I've got ideas what I, I would like to change. Um, I mean, even the word retirement. I think that needs to be put mm. to the side. Really, if you think about that word, it, it's it's a it's got negative connotations to it, hasn't it? It's. Yeah. Um, I mean, trans transition is which is mostly used, isn't it? But mm. um, just drilling in. Um, I mean, for me, when you're a footballer, you are in you you are a footballer. You're in that you're in that bubble hugely. Um, Going through the transition, I would have liked to have had more of a grasp on what it actually was I wanted to do, uh, what it was, what the, what the realities of jobs were. I'd like to have had someone say, listen, I'm an accountant. I get paid this. I do this, this, this for my job and I work, work this hours. If that's for you, then this is what you need to do to get there. You know, and, and you can go on for all the different jobs. And what, what I'd like to see happen is clubs have a, a relationship with because you must have loads of you know different relationships with outside businesses to mm. say that listen can we can you help our players and take some ownership of it mm. so can you help our players can you bring them in and give them a, a taste a day um, and if you want more then they can maybe take them on a part-time basis if you mm. like them they like you whatever it might be it's i just think clubs need to do more instead of you know i think the pfa gets a battering um yeah fa gets the battering and i think clubs need to take more ownership of like of, of the employees because you know mm. That's just you can score what you are, but in football you're just thrown out the window as such, aren't you? When if, yeah. when you come to an end of your career, so well yeah. your your contract. That's yeah. what I'd like to see happen. Um, but an approach where it's not just the young lads, because you do get approached, do this course, do this course, because everybody's like, oh, aren't these guys really poor? They, they fall out of the game when they're twenty one after this dream being broken, and I think well. Well, not really. No, I think. Well, how about the guy that's fallen out when he's thirty and he's just had yeah. a big injury and he's got a mortgage, you know, family, and mm. he he needs support. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But he gets brushed under the carpet, like mm. uh, with the guy who's 33, 34, whatever it might be. It's like, yeah, they're the guys who need to be targeted, and they're not targeted. Um, mm. You know, the young boys are, uh, which is fine. Get them one hundred percent with another career on the on the shoulder. Yeah. And some of them do. Some of them are. Some of them are great. Mm. Um, I think the the older boys definitely need it. Like, how are you doing? What are you up to? What are your plans? You know mm. what I mean? It's um, yeah. what do you want to do next? Mm. Um, and I think that that needs to that needs to happen. I, I would set up a whole department for it in the PFA. I yeah. think a whole department needs set up for it because it's just there's too many stories out there that are negative. Mm. And we need to shout about the positive ones. Um, yeah. And try and obviously dampen the negative ones, but a, a whole department is needed, in my in my opinion. Definitely. And if 
as as athletes anyway, you always want something that's a bit tangible, something that you can feel and touch, and something that's got some backing behind it. Look, she's done it, he's done it, it can be done. So again, you've mentioned it there in brief. You said like it's always kind of the negative. Oh, what happens when they get released? What happens when there's an injury and you're 35 and you don't know what to do afterwards? But what about us like singing about success stories, like high echelons of football where they've come out. They don't have to work, but they've gone and set up a business where they're helping other people. And then you've got yeah. the players like me, me and you, who are kind of sustained the career at the, the lower league or the lower kind of pyramid side of the football. But we've come out of it and we're now obviously progressing in our, in our uh, current field. So it can be done. And if people can see that, we can then go and tell those players, current players, ex-players, look, I did X, Y, and Z. Maybe not do yeah. it like me because I went down a bit of a wrong route, for example, um, mm-hmm. talking hypothetically here. Um, yeah. And again, do it like this person because they had X, Y, and Z when they were playing and then they came out and the transi- transition period was easy. So again, people have got different transition stories. Mine's not one where I can say, look, I knew what I was going to do. I just fell into something and luckily it worked out. But there yeah. are loads of success stories out there. And I'm talking players from before our generation as well. So oh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's just a frustrating yeah. situation for me. I, I mean, I must admit now when... I coach lads. I, I, I mean, I've got them in a college situation and a lot of them trying to get into that, that next level of football. Um, so they're obviously, you know, getting to a, some of them are at an age where they can, they're picking out universities and they're thinking, I need to pick a university where a football club might be and blah, blah, blah. And I said, listen, pick a university based on your education because yeah. you will go and you'll play football. That won't go away. If you're good enough, people will come and you'll have to go the long way around and you'll work up the, the non-league ladder. You will do that, whether whether you're a bad uni or a good uni. Pick the uni for being good. Mm. I said, because you might play eight years, 10 years, 12. Whether you play 500 games or 800 games, one thing is guaranteed when you come out of that, that little bubble that you've been in is nobody gives a shit and they yeah. want to know what you can do to earn their money. Mm. right? So like, you might go to an employer and say, well, just play 500 games in, the, in, the, in League 2. And they might, I don't care. Can you make this sale? You yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. But, so true. You know, so in that sense, maybe that needs to be more when you go to I don't know the, when the PFA reps go to the clubs. Um, listen, guys, do this because you might yeah you might you might earn a million quid, but he might not. So you need to do something <laughs> that's gonna yeah. you know improve your chances of getting a job afterwards. So um, and have someone like yourself mm. there to say you know this is real, this is gonna happen, and um, look. You can make it successful. You might not want to be at my point, and, that, and that's fine. You're not me- you're not meant to be. You're not supposed to be a, an accountant now. Enjoy your life. Enjoy being a footballer. But still, right? Have this yeah. in mind. So yeah. you just don't think it's drilled any more. Hundred percent. I want to talk about your career now because I, I think, from, if my memory serves me correctly, you started at Liverpool. Obviously, great club. Um, talk to me about your debut. How was that for you? Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, debut at White Hart Lane. It was uh, against obviously Tottenham in the, in the League Cup in two thousand and four. I think. Yeah, God, long time ago. Uh, I, I I remember the day before, and I, I broke down, and I couldn't get to training. My car broke down, and um, the manager, the coach, Huey McCauley, I said to him, "Listen, I can't get in." And he's gone, "You're getting in, mate." He said, "You need to do whatever you can get a get a train, taxi, whatever." Yeah. He says, "You're in the you're in the team," and I said, "What?" 
said, you're in a team shape. He's like, again, I'm not supposed to tell you, but get in. I was like, right, <laughs> scrambling to get a lift. Can anyone pick me up and take me? Yeah. I get in and, in the team. And I just remember feeling like, all right, okay, this is happening. Uh, I got down there, stayed in the hotel. And I wasn't nervous at all until I got to White Hart Lane. I walked on the pitch and I was like, oh, this is happening. Yeah, this is happening. This is like, this is real. The, Rafa Benitez says, does that with the team? This is their team. And I'm seeing Michael Carrick and Ledley King and all that. And I'm going, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm not ready for this. Absolutely crapping me pants. Um, and I was nervous. I was for the first, say, 15 minutes or so, I was nervous. Ball was coming near me and I was like, whoa, this is like, this is the real deal. Mm. Full house. Um, and then all of a sudden I settled into the game. Um, and my energy was just through the roof. I was up and down and we were great. And we won on penalties after mm. extra time. And it was just an amazing experience with the lights and the crowd. Um, and yeah, I just wanted more of it. I got a mm. few sniffs after it. I got, I got to play four games in total. Um, mm. And I just, I just couldn't make that next step. I just couldn't do it. Um, my ability wasn't there, my strength, my pace and all the rest. It, it just needed to be that. I mean, say, give me 20 games, I could have found me, me legs at the level, fine, 100%. But Liverpool need more than that. Yeah. Um, they don't need someone to just slot in and be a steady Eddie. Mm. Um, and so I just couldn't make the next, that next step. Mm. Um, and I knew at that point then I needed to go and play. If I was going to be a footballer, I was going to carve a career out. And I left with a year left on my contract to mm. go and join Carlisle in League One at the time. And, and it was great. It was the best thing I ever did. I loved it. There was no decision there to make. It was yeah. done, you know. People often ask, oh, it must have been hard to leave. I was like, no, not at all. It wasn't even a decision. Um, mm. And uh, Carlisle was great. Mm. And yeah. so, just two things. So, again, this is another thing. People don't realise how hard it is to sustain a career, not just in professional football, but in the Premier yeah. League. That yeah. is just, they're all Rolls Royces, Ferraris, whatever you want to name it, that the prestige, because everyone's fast. Everyone's a lot stronger than what you're used to, regardless of whether you've been absolutely flying in training or reserves. When you make that step up, I couldn't believe how like, fast everyone was. I felt like I was treading water. And I was always one of the fastest in any team I played in. And I just made my debut and I was just like, what is going on? Because there was just players yeah. just flying everywhere and the balls zipping everywhere. And I just thought, wow, it's just scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and then you mentioned there, it wasn't a decision to make to go to Carlisle. So, again, similar to me, I'm assuming you just wanted to play first in football. Uh, yeah, I was desperate, yeah. Mm. yeah. How was that? I, I, I was in the, like the England setup from 15 to 20, so I was mixing with boys who had, I mean, um, I mean, one, Wayne Rooney, but he was a different kettle of fish, but the likes of the other guys of like Wayne Routledge and even James Milner and Gary mm. Cale, but my, my peers were out playing championship football and played 50, 100 games by the time they were 20 years old. And I was like, yeah. I've played four games. I'm miles behind here. I am miles behind. Mm. All, the, all the lads at Liverpool had come through with, we're all playing at uh, Millwall and Southampton and all this. And I was like, I need to play. I was desperate to play. Yeah. And so that, that's why there was just no decision for me. Um, mm. I, felt, I felt miles behind. Whereas now I just think it's a bit different now. Yeah. You're getting that under 23s and it's like, well, you know, you're getting that a little bit longer, and I think, mm. you know, I, I was playing in the reserves with first team players. I don't think you get that exposure now. Um, yeah. So, it's, um, yeah, and yeah, I, I would definitely recommend to any player if you want to go and play, you need to just go and play. Don't stick around in this 23s, but that's that's my opinion. 
hundred percent. Yeah, it's true. I mean, players get a little bit longer now. There's the under twenty threes and whatever, and there's players there who are knocking around and have been for years who you've never really heard of who haven't played a game at first yeah. team level anywhere. Whereas when we were younger, it was like eighteen, nineteen, you need to play some games. Um, yeah, and that, that was—it's just crazy when you look back now. Yeah. It's like eighteen, and yeah. I'm thinking I need to be playing some games, which is a good mentality to have. Uh, and yeah. especially when you get a taste of it, you just want more. Um, yeah. That's just how how I was anyway. Um, yeah. Sounds like you were the same. I know I speak to loads of people in there, same train of thought as well. Um, mm. You went to Carlisle, obviously that's a step down in terms of uh, the pyramid, but obviously you're playing first team football. So how did you find it? And I'm talking everything now. So infrastructure, training, um, kind of playing at that level as well. Uh, yeah, I found it. And initially I found it tough and I didn't play that well when I first went because it was the shock of uh, I had to wash my own kit. Um, I had to, I mean, there was no lunch. There was, uh, I mean, the lads were different. They were, you know, seasoned pros, a few of them, seasoned heavy drinkers as well. There was a culture there and it was a bit of a shock. Um, but it was after a few months, I mean, I went in and actually replaced, to replace the previous year's player of the season, Paul Arneson, what a great lad. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, I remember playing games when the fans were singing his name and I was like, bloody hell, this is hard. Man. <laughs> but it put airs on my chest, you know, when I look back and um, yeah. you know, a bit of a skin on my back. Yeah. But there was that, obviously. But we, I was going to be, Carlisle was we were flying at the time. League One, it was like, our average crowd was like seven, 8,000 people. Um, it was a club, it was just feel good. It was on the up. Uh, just been bought by an owner who's been wanting to buy, you know, put put money into it and stuff. So that was great. And after after like a few months of it, um, I really found my feet and, and I absolutely loved it for a good few years. Mm. Um, we should have been promoted to the championship and we weren't, but that's, you know, another story. But yeah, I found the actual change of the culture shock quite difficult at times. Yeah, at the, yeah. At the very beginning, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I, I found it difficult as well. And so I can obviously resonate with what you're saying. Uh, you touched mm. on earlier that you played kind of for England throughout the youth level. So I believe like in the 16s, 18s, 19s, 20s, if that's mm. correct. How was that yeah. for you, obviously, pulling on the England shirt and playing at that level as well? Because, again, that's another step up. That was amazing. That was amazing. Some of the experiences, places we went, plays we played against. Um, the, the, we played in the championships, European championships in um, Denmark. Um so Wayne Rooney was in our team then he and then went home and then like skyrocketed to superhuman capabilities and yeah. did what he did for the rest of his career. But he, he I remember Philip Senderos playing for Switzerland and I was thinking, wow, he's the only player that ever had Wayne Rooney in his not in his pocket, but like Wayne Rooney didn't run a mock as he usually did. Um I remember guys in the French team who went on to play in World Cups for Algeria, they must have changed there. Um, mm. So there's some top players um, and top, exp like really good experiences playing against the likes of the Hollands and stuff who just pop, 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 pop everywhere. Yeah. Um, but it was just an absolute honour. I loved it. I just loved everything about it. And at the time, you probably know yourself, you just take it for granted, don't you? And then you, mm. it's when you look back afterwards and it's like, oh, I've not been picked for this squad. I got to 20. And by that time, if you're getting into the 21s, you're a Premier League player. And I yeah. wasn't. So it's sort of accepting mm. that as well. Yeah. yeah, but it was that was amazing. Some amazing experiences. Amazing stuff, guys. Um, 
obviously you've, you've mentioned earlier about kind of what you think needs to be done to help players. Um, so we've spoken about obviously clubs, again, parents as well. I don't think we mentioned that the parents need to obviously take a look at themselves as well. Um, Oof, yeah. You mentioned the FA, yeah. PFA as well. And also the players, they need to have that kind of gumption, that know-how, yeah. that, that willingness as well. Is there any advice though that you would give, and I'm talking and kind of players that are young, maybe going into academies in the next year or two, ones that are actually in the academies, and then obviously the older ones as well, who are maybe coming towards the end of their careers and they're transitioning away shortly. Any advice that you want to give those? Uh, I had a friend who rang me the other day, the other day, a few weeks back, and he asked me the same. He's um, said, listen, I don't think I'm going to get something here next year. Um, you know, just wondering how it went for you, what you're doing, stuff. And I said, if I could go back, as I just be busy, be speak to people, just speak to people. Mm. People will help you. Um, that's how people are. You just need to start dialogue, conversation, and there's no, there's no sort of shame in putting out there that you're looking for a job and you want a job, and this is what I'm good at, and this is what I'd, I'd like to do. There's no shame in it, uh, and it takes it. A bit bold for players to do that. Um, I think we need to teach them that it's uh, it's a good thing and it's looked at with, with a bit, as I say, a bit of shame. In terms of like academies, I, again, I had another experience I had is a, um, a friend's lad has been scouted for an academy by ours and he said, What do you think? And I said, I wouldn't send him if it was my boy, I wouldn't send him mm. um, at least till he was 11, 12 years old. Mm. You get that institutionalized get to 17, 18 and all right, I'm, I'm just expecting the next thing to happen. I've been here for mm. 10, 15 years. And that is a big, big issue for me. When mm. you're scouting and getting kids in at four or five years old, six years old, it's too early. Right. Um, and that doesn't help. Um, and if you are going to get them in that early, then you've got, you've got a duty of care to help them when they leave. Mm. Have you, been, you have institutionalized them. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, in terms of lads leaving, I just speak to people, just talk, just be brave, get out there, get on, get on LinkedIn, get on Twitter, get on all these, all these things and things happen and you've just got to be patient. The other piece of advice I got that was great was just go with the flow. Mm. That was off an old manager of mine, Paul Carden. He said, listen, mate, you're just going to have to just go with the flow. It's going to be up and down and just go with it. It'll mm. work out. And so that's hard to say. Brilliant, mate. Great advice. And again, I'd second that as well. You'd be surprised at how many people are actually looking the people to do different things in terms of employment and when they see someone mm. who's willing to put themselves out there like you said on linkedin i'm looking for a job this is what i'm good at x y and z 100 yeah. percent guarantee you're going to get at least one response you may not get yeah. a job it may just be someone who says look really that you've done this um mm. i know someone who's looking for someone like yourself or they may well just yeah. remember you going down maybe six yeah. or seven weeks after that and think oh that person that'd be pretty yeah. active on there put themselves out yeah. there so Again, that's great advice. Um, appreciate you coming on today. Um, obviously, enjoyed the chat. Um, I'm going to look out for, obviously, that thing that you're looking to do, the software thing. Um, just let me know <laughs> when that's released. Software yeah, um, it but is. It's It's exciting for us. It's really exciting. and I can't wait to, um, yeah, let's say, get out of there properly because, you know, I've been speaking to managers and stuff and yeah. they all seem really keen. So, it's uh, yeah, it'd be great. Amazing. Just let us know where we can find you personally. So on the social media, obviously, uh, you're playing for Marine. Yeah. Big them up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Marine, yeah. So big them up. Yeah, give them a watch uh, if you can. Uh, so yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, 
just David Raven on LinkedIn and, and Twitter as well. I think I'm Dave Raven too, I think, or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's that's me. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Well, keep in touch. Um, obviously, yeah, we spoke cheers, before. Uh, I was looking at my phone, it was like probably about a year ago we spoke. Uh, it does, yeah. Seems like ages ago. But um, yeah, keep in touch anyway. And like I said, appreciate you coming on. That's all, man. Thanks for having me on, mate. I enjoyed it. Cheers. Speak soon. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye. Bye.